0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus.
1: Hello, my name is Jeff Wanger, and I will be reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Jeff, thank you for reading the scripture today. Really appreciate you doing that. So we continue the series today, Path to Contentment. Talking about contentment is something that it's not like you can just say, I'm going to achieve contentment today, or I'm going to get that next week. It, it's really, it's the way you try to pursue only that, you're, you, you can't quite get it. So you have to develop attitudes and practices and behaviors and those kinds of things that are important to your life, important to what God calls us to be, and through that, we develop contentment. So we've been talking about that uh, in, a, in a little bit different way because we've also been talking about stewardship. Now, I know in church circles, you often hear stewardship and you think it's only about money, right? It's, it's the fall, we're talking about money, and yes, we do talk about that some, this, it's just that season of the year for us. But but stewardship, we've, we've kind of reframed it, that stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. So when you say, yes, God, I give you my heart, yes, God, I'm going to follow the teaching and example of Jesus. Yes, God, I, I, I have sinned and I need your forgiveness. Yes, God. We, okay, whatever you do next, and the next day, and the next day, that's your stewardship. That's your stewardship because, in fact, the life that we have is a gift from God anyway. So we're all just trustees and stewards of the life that we've been given. So today, we're going to talk about one of those aspects of uh, that's who develop. As a uh, uh, reading from Peter said, uh, and that is self-control. Self-control. I read an interview uh, I don't know two or three weeks ago with uh, Patricia Heaton. Um, Patricia Heaton is an actress. She played in the in the show uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, and she was the wife of Raymond. So in this interview, it, part of it part of it talked about her sobriety. Uh, she had she was an alcoholic and became sober, so she was talking about that and she talked about how her fellow actor, Peter Boyle, who played her father in the TV show, he himself was also alcoholic and he had become sober and so uh, she said he had given her some really important advice once upon a time that uh, on Thursday nights after they were done filming they most of the cast would go to a bar nearby to have some drinks, and he would go Peter Boyle would go every time and he would You would sit there and drink his club soda. And so she asked him one time, she said, how can you not drink? And he said, I play the tape forward. Well, she had to ask, well, okay, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I can tell you how the tape's going to go. I'll say yes to one. And then everybody says, yeah, let's do another round. And I'll say, okay, I'll have another. And then we'll be feeling really good. And I'll say, bring me something harder. And then after all, I'll say, give me another one. And he says, and then I can't drive, and then tomorrow morning I wake up and I feel horrible. No, when I play that tape forward, I think, I don't want to get there, so I'm going to make the right decision now. And She said, actually, that was one of the best pieces of us she ever heard, to help her in her own fight against alcoholism. But, but what a great example of self-control. I mean, here's somebody who had an addiction issue who goes to a place <laughs> where you would normally imbibe, but he wouldn't because he knew where it would lead. Tremendous self-control. I mean, I, I, I've gotta, I mean, really, I've got to start thinking that way when it comes to pizza. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I can't leave a piece of pizza on a pan. I can't do it. Um, and so, and even though I'll be full, and I'll know I shouldn't do it, and I'll still eat it, and I'll still have to, take, have to choose something when I get home, and I'll still have trouble going to sleep, if I would just think my future self... <laughs> right? Will not be happy. Yeah. Well, the Bible says some things about self-control. I mean, not just what we read, what Jeff read a minute ago. Uh, In Paul's letters, he talks about self-control being a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, there's a long list, right? It was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. All those things are a part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Peter listed it as one of those really important things. to He said, so that you will not be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in, maybe put it a little bit different way. You won't be ineffective and unproductive in the way that you live out your faith. That your faith, as you live that out, your stewardship of your life will really produce great fruit. And even though Jesus didn't use the words self-control... When you read in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, uh, I think it's 5, 17 through 20, when you read those words where he's talking about the law and fulfilling the law, and he says, well, you've heard the law has, you know, has said this, but it, there's more to it than that. You have to exercise tremendous self-control to not only just follow the letter of the law, but also to fulfill the law. But often when we hear the words uh, self-control, we think of it in, in a negative fashion, right? Because we know that that means I have to deny myself something that I really want. I have to deny myself uh, something that's going to be very pleasurable. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to taste really great, whatever it is. I have to deny, and, we, and no one likes to deny themselves. We don't like that at all. So we think of it in a, in a negative kind of fashion. And it's often reactive, right? It's often reactive because it's just something's been presented to us and we have to decide what am I going to do here. It's something that we react to. So it's helpful to think in those moments of our future self, the way Peter Boyle described it. When I play the tape forward and I think about how I'll feel later or tomorrow or the next week or whenever, yeah, my future self wouldn't be so happy. but let's flip the coin around on that. Self-control is also necessary in a proactive sense, not just reactive. Making yourself, in other words, to make yourself do something even when you don't feel like it. It's not just stopping yourself from doing what you shouldn't. It's making yourself do what you know you should be. I mean, how many of us can tell stories, story upon story? rsvp RSVP, you would go, and then it came to that time, and you're just like, I don't want to go. Or it's a reception for whoever it is, and you're like, oh, it's gonna be boring. Or it's right, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to do it. It was it's a third grade violin. Oh yeah, I don't want to go. Right, so so you go, but you're like, I gotta go, I gotta go, and so you go, and afterwards you go, I'm really glad I did that. Right, I'm really glad. Might not be how to spend my night every you know Thursday night, but hey, I'm glad I went. To do it in a proactive sense so, no I, I, this is not the kind of thing I want to do, but I need to go do it and you're glad and you're glad later on. so it feels good so contentment then as we exercise self-control in that proactive sense that feeds into content because it's not only about avoiding the things that are unhealthy, as fun as they might seem and as tasty as they might seem commitment. Sorry, contentment is also about doing the right thing even when you don't feel like doing it. Following through on a commitment. That's also self-control. So living our Christian life is not simply saying no to this list of things, right? I mean, that's one of the the people from outside the Christian faith sometimes say, well, I I don't want to be a Christian. You have a long list of things you can't do, right? Of course, many of the things that are on that list are things yeah, you you don't don't want to do or they're illegal or whatever, but there's a long list, sure. There's also a list of things that says to do these things, and the Bible teaches by doing those things you experience abundant life. Well, wait, who, who doesn't want that? You're going to feel good by doing these things. So it's not simply... Saying no to, the, to that list of things, it's about saying yes to the things we should be doing. So living out our Christian faith also means committing to just practices in our daily life, in our weekly life, our monthly life, that feed that. I mean, My guess is there are days, and today might have been one of them, that you get up and you think, I don't really feel like going to church today. I, there are days like that, being really honest. I've had a Sunday or two like that myself. But it's important to do to commit to commit yourself to it to commit yourself to prayer to commit yourself to daily Bible study commit yourself to serving other people. If you if you think about how you spend your days and you realize, gee, I don't really do much to serve other people, maybe find a way to commit to do that somehow. Now it also ties into, in terms of our in terms of our discipleship in terms of living out the faith, so that we will be so that we will not be ineffective and unproductive. It also ties into our financial commitments. Sure, it does. Our finances say a lot about us as people, right? <laughs> it says a lot. I've heard uh, uh, somebody say before who was a, a psychotherapist who said, you know, if you can you know, show me your, your bank account and your calendar, I can pretty much tell you what I need to know. Because we commit our money to stuff. So financial commitments fit in here too. And we've been talking about commitment cards uh, that asking members to turn in cards that would estimate um what you intend to give in twenty twenty two based on what you know right now. And we have actual physical cards, you can do it online. But one of the one way or the other it's to let us know what your intent is. And that's important for two reasons. Your commitment to give to God's work is important because it's an act of self control for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ to give to God's work. Bible teaches this from beginning to end all the way through, many times. It's important. It's an act of self-control to commit to giving. It's also practically very helpful on church leadership to know what we have to work with. And especially, friends, after the pandemic. Wow, it's been really, really interesting in church world. It's been interesting in every other kind of line of work and teaching and, and everything else. I read an article just early this week Uh, a church in Michigan that uh, uh, when before the pandemic, they had uh, over 1,700 people typically on a Sunday. Uh, Now, they had a robust online ministry already. So when the pandemic hit and they had to lock down and and shut everything down, all those people kind of just migrated over to online, and and that was okay. And for a while, their giving stayed pretty good. Now, he said instead of 1,700, they get 300 on a Sunday morning. And the pastor said, we're not even real sure who's in our church anymore. And he said, it's impossible to plan anything. Indeed, And a lot of churches across America, well, probably around the world, are experiencing that. It's hard to know what to plan for. Hard to know what to do. And we want to be good stewards of what God entrusts to us. So, making those kinds of financial commitments is practically helpful for for." Planning in ministry. Now, I'll be honest. I'll uh, be transparent. Is a better word. Not that I'm not usually honest. Um, I'll be transparent. I'll confess. Early in my career, uh, I was less committed to giving to God's work than I should have been. Certainly as a pastor. You know, when you're when you're right out of grad school and you're looking at what you're going to make and you're thinking, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't have wow, that's, I, uh, there's not much, and I don't know how in the world I could afford to give to the... Right? It's all the things we think. Um, and at the end of the month, well, guess what? The money had been spent somewhere else, right? Uh, so there came a day, you know, this was quite a few years ago now. Uh, there came a day that I realized, I have really got to commit to this. I've got to commit to it. And so I did. And so I started that practice. I've talked about in the last Sunday or two that practice of, uh, you can get your take-home pay, and ten percent goes to God right away. The first check, back when we wrote checks, it was the first thing we got paid. Just boom, you know, it happened. And you know, funny thing, after doing that, I had all the money I needed to manage my life. So it's it's you know it's it's gratifying that if someone walked up and said, you know, I want you to give this much money right now to the church, well, I might say, I don't know that I could do that, but when you do it paycheck by paycheck, and so we get our third quarter you know, contribution statement like everybody else, and you're like, oh, that feels pretty good. I mean, it really feels good. Glad we did it. But it's not just that good feeling I have that I and Mary did this. It's, it's that I know that that benefits other people. I mean, the children's ministries that we have and the student ministries and adult studies and serving ministries and certainly music and worship, others benefit from those gifts. So it's an important act of self-control to do it, even if you sometimes think, I don't know that I feel like doing it. So our perfect example of self-control, of course, is Jesus, uh, who was rejected but did not reject was betrayed, but didn't betray. Was tortured, but did not lash out against others. He was arrested, but did not blame. So when we celebrate communion, as, as we will do here in just a few moments, when we celebrate communion, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't help, help but think of the night Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, where he broke the bread and, and distributed it and gave and, and took the, the cup, and, and they all drank from it in remembrance of him. And right after that, he goes out to pray at the Mount of Olives, which is right outside the walls of Jerusalem. And, he pray, and one of the things he prays, right, is, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. I mean, That's maybe in the words we would say, I don't really want to go through with this. Don't really want to do this. But the next thing he said, of course, was, However, not my will, but your will be done. So when we celebrate communion, we celebrate a a commemoration of that supreme act of self-control on the part of Jesus that makes our lives possible. For that, we give God thanks. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, the sacrificial love that you have shown to us. We thank you for the grace that you've shown to us. We thank you for the strength that you provide through your Holy Spirit for us to practice self-control, to stop ourselves from doing the things we should not be doing and to make ourselves do the things we know we should be doing. And we know that by doing that, by faithfully doing those things, we more and more discover the gift of contentment that you give us. So God, as we consider what we will do in terms of uh, giving of our finances, we pray that you would guide and direct each one of us in that effort. And we thank you for the example of Jesus who gave his life for us, so that we would know life. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.